Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 186, I am joined by Kate Lavelle, keynote speaker, facilitator, and best-selling co-author of Stick Together with John Gordon. Kate is back with a new book called Superpower, an inspiring story to overcome self-doubt and unleash your authentic greatness. She writes a compelling story of self-love, appreciation and the power of sharing and connecting with those around us through vulnerability and understanding. Kate is passionate about teaching strategies that turn a powerful vision into reality whilst unifying teammates around their shared purpose and mission. It's a great episode. It's 186 with Kate Lavelle. Enjoy my friends. Kate, welcome to the Always Best in Yesterday podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you? Very, very well. Um, I am excited for your book to be read by people. And do you know what? The first thing I do when I, when I read books, I read the dedication page. <laughs> and, and I love that you you dedicate this uh, new book, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, to your to your kids. But there's something specific that I love is that you talk about how your kids taught you and it's so often like in in leadership sometimes we think we need to be teaching the next generation something and I love that here you are page one on the dedications that you're saying thank you for your kids because they've shown you what it's like when they share their superpowers absolutely you know it's I watch them and I think wow you know you you guys are so much more secure in who you are and and I've embraced that so much more than I did when I was growing up. And so as a parent, you know, I was able to guide them, but I didn't have to teach them that they kind of naturally had it. And so it was just a, it's been a really neat experience and a reminder for me um, to keep living that way. Ah, it's such wisdom, isn't it? It's, it's so great. I love, you know, I have a nine-year-old son, nearly 10 and a seven-year-old daughter. And, you know, it, it's really shown in me just how different they can be in nature like my son quite academic quite sports my daughter on the other hand quite creative quite expressive and and it seems on the surface that these things kind of come naturally to them so it's kind of guided my role as a parent no slash coach in the home is like I need to nurture their nature yeah and it's 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 been so powerful And, and I guess I'd love to kind of hear a bit more about you know your own journey you know from what I understand like a lifelong coach and lacrosse and and journeying into leadership tell us a little bit about your background sure you know I um I didn't see myself doing what I'm doing right now at all and I think that happens to a lot of us um I did have a dream to be a writer when I was eight um I sent some poems in I found um I found an address in the back of a book and I, you know, we didn't have the internet back, you know, back when the dinosaurs <laughs> were around. And uh, so I found the address. It wasn't that back. long ago. It I know. It, well, it really wasn't. It really wasn't. But you can't tell kids that. Um, yeah. I told them I had the first, you know, first microwave. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I sent in some poems to a publisher thinking I'm going to get published. And, and I still have it. Um, they actually did write me back and they sent me a, a book. And it was really sweet. 
and this it was a brand new editor at the time who's now the head of like one of the biggest children's publishing companies so that's mm -hmm. it's really cool but um yeah so i want i always wanted to be a writer but i didn't know that i was going to go in this direction with leadership because honestly i think we we really excel in the areas where we're weak because mm -hmm. we ferociously seek to fill that hole um mm -hmm. at least that was true for me i knew that when i started coaching which was just something to pour myself into when my kids were little. So I had something for myself. I realized, well, I know this sport inside and out. You know, I grew mm -hmm. up in Maryland. I was trained by really great coaches knowledge wise, but I didn't know anything about culture. I couldn't even have really explained what that meant in, in very good terms. And I just thought, well, if I'm nice, then that's going to be enough. And if I'm demanding, that's going to be enough. And um, that was not the case. That was not enough. <laughs> so my journey um, was to just start learning and learning. And one day I was very fortunate and then I'm walking through an airport and uh, I started talking to this guy who's telling me that he wrote some books. He sent me some and, and his name was John Gordon. Uh, and, you know, we connected and um, have worked on a lot of projects ever since then back in 2013, 14. So um, that's kind of how I got here. But I coached uh, college lacrosse, high school lacrosse, I coached a lot of my kids' sports, like many other parents, you know, I was in mm. basketball and, um, you know, soccer and, and all of those. So really have just been on, on fields and courts uh, for a long time now. And then I also did um, business sales. So I did a lot of business to business sales. And um, it's amazing how those worlds collide. So mm. it's, it's been a really incredible journey. I love that. Well, those worlds continue to collide. John has been a guest on our show twice and you know, a big fan of the work of, of John. And um, yeah, I understand you were or were or are VP of, of leadership development. So, you know, what, because I have a background in policing and, um, you know, policing when I first started, you know, 15 years ago, had a, had a different sense of what leadership was. I think it's changing now. I think it's much more around the types of leadership that you and I talk about. But back then it was rank, it was positional, it was hierarchy, it was how long have you been doing the job sort of thing. Um, you know, what, as you've kind of come into this world, you know, what have you learned? What's your take on on what leadership is? Yeah, you know, I, I had, you know, I call it the old school mentality. That's what I grew up with, which yeah. is I'm on a pedestal. You are down <laughs> here. Not that I'm above you in any way, but that I'm in charge and that my waist am. This is how we were raised when I was growing up, you know, and this was, um, you know, don't question it and just do it. And we don't have that anymore. Um, you can't tell people not to question something. They will just walk away. <laughs> it doesn't work. We have inquisitive kids. I think that's yeah, a great yeah, thing. They yeah. want to think for themselves. They want to understand. They want to be a part of the decision-making process if you want them to celebrate being a part of the outcome, mm. period. You know. Mm. And so if you go into it with that mentality of, if I have their buy-in because they feel like they contributed to where we're going, then they will do anything to be a part of the outcome, especially if we show them how great it can be. And the more we build the belief in them that they can accomplish it, the more they will run through walls to get there. Uh, it's all about that power of belief, whether they're uh, excelling or they're falling short. If the belief is always there that there is something inside of you that is going to help you get there, I believe you can get there, whether you're doing it right now or not, then they're going to search high and low for whatever it takes to make that happen. 
Um, it really is, you know, we, we talk about, I mean, you hear people talking about all the time how, you know, it's an entitled generation and it's, you know, kids aren't going to work hard anymore. But the truth is, if you find out how to motivate them, they will work harder than you have ever seen. Look at these kids who are out there killing it. They're, they're making a lot of money. They have huge businesses and they're like 12. You know, they're not lazy. <laughs> they just have a different set of values and what is important to them and what feels rewarding to them. And we have to adapt to that. You know, it's not a lazy thing. That's an easy way to write it off as a leader. Oh, they're lazy. I just can't make them do it. That makes us lazy because we're not figuring out how the next generation actually responds, but they do respond. Mm. Yeah, I love the way that you've just phrased that. And I think you, know, you said the word kids, but it's a human thing, isn't it? It's a very much Well, everyone human... kids now. I'm getting to that age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but oh, it's... those college kids, those NFL kids. Yeah. <laughs> Once I hit 40, everyone was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's something like very human, isn't it, leadership? And you talk about belief and, you know, I know that that's one of your key principles in your book, Stick Together, which you co-wrote with, with John Gordon. And I think one of the things you said at the very start, which is about how your kids have shown you what it is to like believe in themselves. And sometimes there's just so many things about life when we journey, it almost knocks that belief out of us. Almost almost coming back to believing in ourselves is is unlearning a lot <laughs> a lot of the things that we've come to believe about ourselves. You know, I, I guess you know, where where where's your perspective on that? Where's your own personal touch and flavor on that journey? Yeah, you know, you're going to hear this a lot for me. And if you read Superpower, you're going to see this in there. Um, and that is, you know, are you a giraffe? And that is, yeah. and it doesn't have to be a giraffe. It could be any animal. But the idea is that we know who we are with the same conviction that we know who we aren't. And I think a lot of times you go, oh, that's not me. That's not me. And then if, but someone asks you to define yourself or, you know, yeah. who are you? You can't answer that clearly. Um, and so we can't just know who we're not. We have to know who we are. We have to know who we want to become because how do you get from point A to point B if you don't know point A or point B? Yeah. You know, we end up floating and then life tells you who you are. Every single day when you wake up, you look at the phone, life tells you how you feel, what other people think of you, what you're going to accomplish today. You get out of bed, you move through the day and life tells you what your day is going to look like and what's important to you. And anyone who comes to you with a problem tells you what's important to you and what you have to handle. And you can go years like that and turn around and realize, I don't know how I got here. Mm. And so intention and belief are so key. So the idea behind the giraffe is, is really this. If I was to tell you, hey, Ryan, I, I don't want you to be concerned, but I think you might be turning into a giraffe. Yeah. You know, what is the likelihood that you're going to be like, we need to stop this podcast because I need to look in the mirror because I'm actually, <laughs> this is Kate, yeah. she wrote a book, like she knows her stuff. If she yeah. thinks I'm a giraffe, you know, more than likely you're going to just be like, you know, she's nuts. Oh, I'm not yeah. a giraffe, yeah. right? Because yeah. yeah. you know, you're not a giraffe. Yeah. But what if I said, Ryan, this podcast is terrible. I, I'm just going to leave. You know, you might, <laughs> you might actually stop and go, oh my gosh, what did I, what am I doing? <laughs> And it's not because I said it, because you didn't doubt the draft part. It has nothing to do with my opinion. It has everything to do with whether or not you had that doubt or that fear already inside of you. I cannot affect you unless you have a doubt there. And it, that's kind of a scary thought, but on the other hand, it's really empowering because it means you have 100% control over what you think of yourself, what you believe in yourself, what you believe you can accomplish or become has nothing to do with other people's opinions. And that, that kind of lie we tell ourselves that other people are holding us back or other people won't accept us, we're not accepting us. Mm. The truth is it's all from the inside. 
And I love Damon West and, and his coffee bean mission yeah. and that you live from the inside out. And it's so powerful and so true. And it really comes down to what do we believe? And knowing that with the same conviction that you are not a giraffe, that you are not those other fears that you have so that you can keep moving forward. And that is the power of belief. And we can fuel other people with it. We can transfer it as John Gordon says, leadership is a transfer of belief. Mm. Um, and not just within being a leader and positional leader, but a leader among our teammates, among our coworkers, in our family, how do we fuel each other with belief? Uh, and I think that's just really powerful. That's why teams are so powerful. Mm. Hey, my friends, thank you for listening to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I hope that you're enjoying the interview. I would be really grateful if you would just take a moment to pause and just leave this podcast a review, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'd be grateful for you to leave a review and help more people experience our podcast and our message of heart-centered leadership. I am so grateful for you pushing play and spending time with us here at Always Better Than Yesterday. If you do go on to leave a review, please just take a screenshot, share it, tag us in at Always Better Than Yesterday UK. And when you do, I will send you a 20% off to our merchandise store as a little thank you from me to you. Here we go, back to the interview. And 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 I think you know, I'm I'm imagining there's a there's a game, isn't there? It's guess who? And you and I would sit down with two games and weird yep. guesses. And I'd so <laughs> I, I actually think, really like that game. <laughs> yeah, and, and I and I think the visualization I have when you're talking is that when I start to knock down all those things with who I know that I'm not, mm-hmm. the confidence then comes by having those things which I can rely on, those things that are true. And and, and I guess, you know, I guess that's why you say in your in the tagline of your book, Superpower, it's not only overcoming the self-doubt, but it's unleashing your authentic greatness. And so often our authentic greatness is in the things that we think we need to hide from the world, keep back from us, the things that make us different, awkward, quirky. In like, how do you rationalize that? How do you rationalize going your authentic greatness is on all the things you feel like you want to hide? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny kind of ironic thing about this is that we do understand this concept when we're not looking at ourself and sometimes when we're just not looking at humankind. So for example, why is an upside down stamp so valuable? Why is a misprinted coin, you know, sought after for hundreds of thousands of dollars when it should be worth 25 cents? Uh, Mm. It's because it's rare. It's because there's nothing else like it. Um, And because you know, if I have five identical blue shirts, I'm going to look at that when I'm cleaning out my closet and go, I don't need all these. I have five of the same thing. Being the same is celebrated, but in reality, we don't want the same thing. We want something different. If you hung out with your friends and every single one of your friends said the same things all the time, had all of the exact same opinions, you'd be bored. You would be Mm -hmm. bored with that group of friends. If every day at work was exactly identically the same and some, for some people it is, you know, you have to find ways to make it different, to spice it up. Right. And so we understand the concept, but for some reason with ourselves, we think if we blend in and if we're, you know, the same as everybody else, that's the value. And it starts in school. You know, you want to be the cool kid. You want to have what this group has to fit in. And we all kind of know that quirky person in school growing up that was totally different than everyone else and people love them. Mm. And we and we would wonder, you know, how can they get away with, if I did the same thing they did, they wouldn't accept me. So what, what is it? 
And I think I spent most of my life trying to figure that out because I wanted to be my authentic self and I'm kind of, you know, a goofball and I wanted to be the goofball, you know, and be okay with that. But I kind of restrained myself to fit in. And I would look at people like that and go, man, I, I want to figure out how to do that. And, and what it came down to was confidence. Mm. When you live it authentically, you know, you can't make yourself be like somebody else or be unique. You can't force it. But when you live authentically as yourself, um, that that's the power. That's what makes other people kind of gravitate towards you because it frees them to also be authentic. Yeah. You know, it's just this permission that we're giving to other people. And I think that's, you know, that's really the power that, that comes along with it. And the second you start to be something that you're not, um, mm. you know, people around you feel that, you know, mm. and, and you, it, it's a miserable life to try to live like something else. It really is. It's very freeing to just this is me, you know, yeah. and I'm not for everybody and that's okay. You know, just kind of, and there's liberation yeah. in that, isn't it? And, you know, I think yeah. I have two, I have two words, you know, to you know, the inside out kind of analogy is I think when we live from the inside out, we become an expression of who we are. Whereas when we live from the outside in, we become defined by those things. There's almost yeah. those things, those, those earthly worldly things become a definition of who we are, yeah. uh, which takes away our, our, our freedom and, and possibly our authenticity in that. Well, we don't always know, you know, we're not always happy with who we are right now and that's okay. So I don't want to confuse it with saying, you know, I'm, I have things that I could probably work on and be better at, or I could just embrace them and put them out there as they are. You know, I, I think that life is about growth. And the second, kind of like sharks, sharks can't stop swimming. I don't know if that's actually a, a myth or something, but I, <laughs> I think sharks have to keep swimming um, and we have to keep growing. You know, yeah, yeah. you're living or dying, or you're, you're growing or you're dying, whatever it is, but um, we want to know who we're becoming. Yeah. But we want to live authentically on that journey as we are becoming that person that we want to become. So there is still yeah. growth involved in that. And your, your book's a fable. And as you go through the fable, there's a, there's a bit where the character tries to become the most ordinary kid in school. Like yes. it's always like, just get through school, be hidden, don't draw any attention. Like why, why is that a bad strategy? <laughs> well at first it's working for him so he thinks it's great he thinks it's a great strategy even though he's miserable but you know it does feel like if we don't call attention to ourselves um you know if I didn't put this book out and you know very likely you know when I put stick together out there were people that said oh this is a kid's book there's pictures in it you know where it's too short of a story and and in order to be authentically ourselves there is vulnerability in that uh, there is no way of escaping it. You're going to put yourself out there and you're going to open yourself to outside opinions, which is why that giraffe part is so important. Mm. We have to know who we are. Um, but I think um, I just lost my, my train of thought. Where were we? <laughs> well, the strategy of uh, becoming the most ordinary. Oh, right. ordinary yes. Okay. Oh, we're good. I got into the giraffe thing in my brain. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the idea that, that we become ordinary and don't stand out feels safe. Yeah. Um, but it's not fulfilling yeah. and there is safe and there is fulfilling. And I do not believe that you can stand on both islands at the same time. You're going to be one or the other. And there is comfort uh, and there is, you know, stagnation. You don't move. And then there is discomfort and there is growth. Mm. Uh, and we have to choose because you're not going to grow in comfort. If you're laying in a hammock 
somewhere amazing with a beautiful view, the weather is perfect, and it's the most comfortable, you know, hammock you've ever been in, you're not getting up until a thunderstorm comes along, or there's, you know, something you need to go eat, because you're comfortable. Discomfort is what makes us grow. And so that vulnerability is really key for us to move forward and, and feel like we're living, you know, mm -hmm. like this is a life, like we're breathing oxygen and we're moving forward. And, you know, I think it's depressing. I think that people find themselves very depressed. Um, and we have a lot of mental health, you know, issues and topics going on right now with having to fit into a mold and, and right now with, with um, so much discord and, and not being allowed to express your opinion without being attacked, the cancel culture, everything that's going on, a lot of us will even admit to each other, and you've probably heard people say it, you know, oh, I don't talk about politics, or I don't talk about this. Now, I can't even talk about the pandemic. I can't talk about almost anything anymore with friends, even with family, because we get fired up. And so that other topic that's in superpower is perspective. And it's the idea that if you were to look at an M or uh, from one angle, it's an M. If you were to look at it from another angle, it's a W. And two people could yell and scream at each other that it's an M or it's a W all day long. And we're doing that. We are literally doing that on social media, in person. And the truth is no one's wrong. This is yeah. my experience. This is yeah. my viewpoint and this is my reality. And this is your experience and your viewpoint and your reality. And we can yell at each other all day and, and never get anywhere because neither of us are wrong. Or I can invite you to come over to my side and see it. And then I can offer to come over to your side and say, wow, yeah, from over here, it's this. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a, just that idea of perspective is so important. You know, and that's it because my desire to be right is going to blind my ability to be relational. Yeah. And you might be right. That's the exactly. thing. What it's, if it's they're a w. right too? That doesn't work. <laughs> it's a W, I'm telling you. <laughs> right. It's a six. It's a nine. It's a W. It's an M. Um, yeah. You know, the, the optical illusions. You see an optical illusion and the first picture you see is the old lady and the other picture you see is uh, the hourglass or whatever the other side of it is. Yeah. But the young lady, yeah. But it's, yeah, but it's, it's still, um, you know, we're both seeing from our own perspective and the beauty of, you know, being inimitable which pops up a lot. And when I read the audiobook, I realized why um, I shouldn't have used that word so many times because I had to keep saying inimitable without yeah, messing yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea of being inimitable, which is so good or unusual that it is impossible to be copied, yeah. um, is, is so key in that I have a different experience, life, everything, just as unique as my fingerprint. Nobody will see things exactly the way that I do, even if they live their life right next to me. We're still going to have a different experience. And the more people I can talk to and learn their experiences, the more really three-dimensional the world becomes. Mm -hmm. and, and who wouldn't want to see the world that we're living in and understand it? You know, why mm -hmm. would we want to walk through life and only see one view that we share with nobody? You know, mm -hmm. and that's the power of that, that connection. I love that. Who is the original Mr. Inimitable? <laughs> the original Mr. Inimitable. <laughs> well, you know, the book idea kind of came along from my own personal struggle of just self-acceptance, you know, as something that we all go through and, and learning to put my work out there and go, okay, you know, be nice. Yeah. Um, but I did, uh, as I started speaking, I met, I mean, a lot of people online and through Twitter and I met Trent um, through Twitter and his story over at Minneapolis North. 
and what him and coach McKenzie were doing with this basketball team, which was yeah. phenomenal. Um, a, a school that was supposed to be closed down and, uh, you know, in the inner city in Minneapolis where, you know, there's, there's just been so much going on. I actually lived in uptown Minneapolis before I moved down to Florida and, um, really hard place for these kids to grow up and they weren't finishing high school. They were failing out and they took over this basketball program and every single kid, hundred percent of them graduated on time and went on to a two year or four year college to play basketball. Hmm. I mean, this is powerful what they were doing. And then I got to know him a little bit and realized, you know, this guy is, is really unique. You know, I mean, he loves, you'll see some uh, similarities here. He loves Frank Sinatra. That, that was, um, you know, one of his things and, um, you know, kind of old, old school, old cars and that sort of thing. So he was so unique and he, his favorite word is inimitable. It's actually on his license plate. Mm -hmm. And I'd never heard the word before. He heard it um, on the play Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And so there's a song and it says, I am inimitable. So he taught me that word. And I was like, wow, that is a really cool word. I love that word. I, you know, what am I, I want to do something with that because that's kind of this journey I'm going through. And the idea that someone says you don't fit in, you know, you're not like us and being able to look at them and be like, wow, thank you. Mm. You know, thank you for thinking that I am so unique that I, that I stick out because mm. when I go for a job, I hope I stick out. And, you know, when I put a book out there, I hope that it stands out. I hope it doesn't fit in with the rest of the ones on the shelf. Mm -hmm. You know, when I come on your podcast, I hope I stand out. I hope you remember me. Mm -hmm. And I hope that I can make that a positive experience because <laughs> you know? there's a bad way to be remembered. But the idea of being inimitable and not fitting in as being a superpower yeah. and then figuring out what those traits are that make you who you are, that unique fingerprint that you leave on this world is is incredible. And I'm like, I need it. I need to make a story about this. And so that's where, that's where it came from. So he is the original Mr. Inimitable. And, um, and I was so excited to, to share the story with him as I, as I wrote it. It was really fun. And, and I listened to you on John's Positive You um, podcast, and you say these words at the very end. It's like, we, we all have the ability to make an inimitable impact. But the question is, are you free to live it? And yeah. are we free to release it yeah absolutely you know there's you can hire a temp at a job to you know while, while you're out sick and, and I used to be a temp <laughs> I don't think I was very good I was like 19 um you know you can hire a temp to come in and you give them check boxes okay you need to go through these files you need to whatever it is you need to do for the day and you can technically get those things done so why are people so excited to get the original person back when that temp is done? Mm -hmm. It's because you are irreplaceable when you live freely and authentically as yourself, because you are inimitable, because no one can copy you. No one can do what you do in the way that you do it yeah. with the same heart, with the same personality, with the same passion, with the same flair, care, whatever it is that you do, that same experience or empathy whatever it is that you bring to your position, which you only bring mm. if you are living as your authentic self. If you're trying to be the same as everyone else, you make yourself replaceable because you're not bringing anything extra and nothing special, right? So bring your authentic self and you can't be replaced. And that is how you unleash, you know, that inner authentic greatness that you have. Um, and that's really key is to remember that, you know, you really are, you really are special. 
you really do have something to share with the world. And when you have a team or an organization or a company, what do you bring that no one else brings? If you were to disappear from the market, if you were to disappear from your conference, your sports conference, what would be missing? And if the answer is nothing, then your team has not figured out what your authentic greatness is yet. Yeah. And the more, you know, it comes down to matchups, right? In sports, the more unique your, you know, your team is and, yeah. and you celebrate it and you actually utilize those unique skills, the harder it is for anyone else to match up against you. And mm -hmm. now it's a competitive advantage. Mm. I am. Um... I understand that this is more than a book and I know that you have a heart that this is a movement. And, um, you know, I think I have a real big heart for like legacy and next generation. And I have this belief that school systems failing us or failing our, you know, I, I, I imagine a school system that equips young people with an understanding of everything you talk about in superpower that imagine how the world would be different if we received in our workplaces a generation of young human beings who were inimitable. Yeah. And there, there is a piece, you know, in the story, which I think I can share without giving too much away, but there's a piece in the story where, where Trent, you know, the main character is, um, is trying to figure out why he feels so connected to his class, his brand new class mm -hmm. so quickly. And the teacher is explaining to him, you know, that, he's gotten to know them on a deeper level because of the activities that the teacher has put forth. And because of the way that the teacher really puts it out as this is a celebration to share who you are and we appreciate who you are. And it's important that we all appreciate each other for these, you know, uniquenesses that even if you have something that, you know, normally you would hide, you know, and there's one girl that has, you know, she's got a pimple and, and, you know, you know, things like that, you know, things that you just, you know, I don't want anyone to see this because it's an imperfection mm -hmm. is that people don't see it. They don't see your imperfection. All they see is all of the great unique pieces that make up you. And so if you have a weird trait or something, you know, that you think is different than other people, people just see it as a part of the person that they love and appreciate. They don't see it as a flaw. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're just taught that you look at a perfect picture that we can now Photoshop to, you know, what end. And we see that as perfection and perfection is just you as yourself. And, and, and we love all those pieces and think of somebody that you love yeah. and, and just kind of go down even, you know, I think I, I go back to the physical feature so much because I think this is what really is impacting young people because we have, we're, we're, we can take a picture. I'm so glad we couldn't do this when I was growing up and you can pinch it. <laughs> And you can zoom in on the every flaw, yeah. you know, oh, my smile didn't come up at the little curve. I and mean, we would have never looked at that when yeah. I was growing up because you yeah. couldn't see those details. Yeah. And so now we look at these flaws and, and we really stress about them. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of people trying to fix a lot of things because we feel like, you know, we don't fit in. I mean, even I have a zoom filter, you know, it's great. Um, <laughs> we have all these things to try to, to make ourselves look better. And the truth is, if you think about somebody that you really love um, and you think about if they match the exact perfect that we are holding ourselves as a standard, mm -hmm. they probably don't fit it. And does that impact you? Does it impact how you think of them? Would you recognize them if they fixed themselves? When you see someone with a lot of plastic surgery, don't you kind of go, oh, wow, it doesn't look like them anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, we lose that authenticity of who they are and we have to get back to celebrating that.
I, I've long held the belief that it's not success that inspires people. It's the the vulnerability, the adversity, the overcoming of that adversity uh, that that truly inspires people. Because it's very easy, right? Look back and go, you know, because publicly there's a lot of adornment for someone like Tom Brady, right? Very, very successful, one of the greatest of all time. But then if we were to have a conversation with people in private, they come, oh, yeah, well, that's Tom Brady. He's la, la, la. Whereas... Whereas in our local communities, when we hear a story about someone that's overcoming the loss of, you know, something, someone, or, or we we ad, we we have this ad, admiration for them and their character and their resolve and their grit and their determination, but I don't think we receive that back as a ripple effect. I don't think we understand because maybe as a society we don't tell each other what we appreciate in others as often yeah. and as readily as, as we might do celebrity culture. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it, it comes down to connection. You know, right. we're not connected to a celebrity. We are connected to someone that we see on a daily basis, hopefully. Although in a electronically connected world, we are less connected than ever mm. with mm. the people even in our, in our house even. Um, we've gotten to this point where we use communication to give and take information. We've become transactional in our lives. And um, adding in things where we learn more about each other has become expendable. It's like, well, this is the first thing I'm going to cross off my list because it isn't measurable. I can't put it on a list and check it off and say, this is an achievement. This is something that I've done. And we are very achievement focused. Um, I've seen it in the sports world and that's where I started writing was, you know, kind of this failure of losing these rec teams and turning into, you know, our kids into a, a marketing business has been, um, you know, just a rough journey on them, but it is turning us into transactional people. And when we can get back to connection as being the priority, and I teach this to coaches all the time, new coaches that come in is, Yes, it may feel like if you spend the first two weeks really getting to know your athletes and getting them to get to know each other and their stories and who they are behind the scenes and things they wouldn't normally know, that feels like a waste of time because you need to learn drills. But on the other hand, when they're that connected, if you, you know, teach them a skill, their learning curve is going to be steeper than you've ever seen because they are now in a receptive environment. They're not walled up, closed off, worried about if people are judging them. They're encouraging each other. They truly, truly care about each other. So you're not wasting your time policing the whole season and trying to enforce rules, just like in Stick Together, right? And you say a team with a lot of love doesn't need a lot of rules. A team that's truly, truly connected isn't worried about whether or not they care about that consequence or not. They're worried about, I don't want to let my teammates down or somebody believes in me and I'm not going to let them down. Um, it just becomes a different environment. So that connection is so important. And I think we have to get back to that. And that's a running theme within superpower as well. Yeah. Just this weekend in the women's football uh, soccer, uh, England won their first major championship. And it was the women that brought it home. You know, we, for so many years, the men, oh, he's coming home. It's, there hasn't. Right. Yep, yep. <laughs> we, came, we came close, but it's not. And the women have showed up and they've brought it home. Love it. And, and I listen very closely to post-match interviews because I, I like to get an understanding of leadership in the dressing room and the culture. And one of the players said that their head coach just in the very early days just got them together, like a almost like um, retreat campfire type environment. And they just shared stories, shared yeah. stories of connection, getting to know the players beyond the game. Um, and, and the words that I kept hearing come up was just love and trust and 
you know and and it's funny isn't it because we wouldn't associate that with or business you know mm-hmm. how, how how do we do that in business because work is work yeah if we, if we want the best teams and the best performance then we have to start embracing the whole of the humans that work through the door yeah you know when i work with business teams um, and I've worked with, with large corporations all the way down to, you know, the smaller family-owned businesses. And, you know, when you put them in a room, a lot of them don't want to be there to start with. <laughs> they don't, you know, this isn't productive. They have other things that they're stressed out about doing. But when they leave after going through a workshop, you can just see, you know, the connections that have grown in that short amount of time where they were able to get to know each other on a deeper level and realize, you know, we tend to fill in the blanks when we don't, our brain helps us out a lot. If we don't know what somebody's thinking about us, if we don't know how we're perceived, um, we will fill in the blanks with what we know from our past. So mm-hmm. our kind of our biased opinion, and it may have nothing to do with the people in that room. It could be, you know, have to do with the people that were in our household or whatever growing up, but our last job. Um, but when we give people an opportunity to get to know each other on a deeper level, it, it changes everything. And I've done it with athletic teams where, um, you know, they went from not winning a game to they have this, you know, couple of hours, two hours even, and they turn around and they, and they never lose again the rest of the season. And all it was, was that they were fighting against each other instead of fighting for each other because they didn't know who they were fighting for, you know, mm. and they were fighting against a perceived idea of people that was wrong. Yeah. And that person can never become the person that that they need to be in your eyes if you've decided who they are if you have that belief system already in place so in business it's the same thing how do i connect and fight for um in this environment where we are so stressed out where things are constantly changing mm-hmm. you know where we're trying to also deal with the stress and the issues at home when we come into work how do we do that if we don't feel like we're a part of a team and that we just have these transactional people every day that are here because you can't do it if you don't have the support of your teammates. Yeah. Uh, and if, if you're always being reactive, you can't focus on the relationship. You can't focus on the task at hand. And I feel like when you don't know what's going to come from somebody all the time, you're always reactive. And that just comes from not building that relationship. And this so, is it, you know, and yeah. this, and this stuff, like I looked during the pandemic, it's like you, you can see the teams that have done this stuff in the build up to it, because when life squeezes, when the pressure hits, like the adversity hits, then we get to see, mm-hmm. you know, you, you yeah. can't, you can't be doing this stuff in the middle of the crises, you know, you have to prepare for it. And, you know, and That's I think the tell, right. Of a, yeah. of a great team is because everybody can look great when you're winning. I mean, eventually, though, I mean, in, in my original book, which was um, Confessions of an Imperfect Coach, I write about how we were winning every single game, but we still got to a point where it was a mess because winning only works for so long. You know, eventually those relationships are going to come out and the people who are carrying everything and the people who aren't doing their, you know, there's going to be a divide of, of yeah. who's doing what and, and eventually it crumbles. But um, yeah, it, it's just really um really powerful to have all those you know those connections in from the beginning and and pressure exposes everything you know if you don't have the hard conversations when you want to you will have them you can't avoid them you're gonna have them so everyone should just go ahead and accept it now you know you could Mm -hmm. fight me if you want but i promise you the hard conversations are coming 
and you choose, would you like to have them now when you have to carve out the time? Or would you like to have them in a crisis when time is of the essence, when you can't afford to lose people, when you can't afford to lose energy on this? Mm. Um, And I still think people think there's a third category of we just won't have it or we'll do it later and it'll work out. Um, And that's, it's, um, you can hold on to that. That's a fallacy. Yeah, that's, <laughs> but eventually that was, it's coming for you. That was, okay? that, that was the policing fallacy. Oh, we'll do that when we're less busy, which never yeah. happened. There's, <laughs> so there's a curtain. And, and this is kind of the, um, the analogy I use if people are having trouble grasping this. Okay, So as a leader, you can close the curtain. And this was the old school thing, which was if you have something going on at home, you have drama, especially you know, coaching girls, you, know, you get into a fight with your boyfriend, whatever, I like, leave that at home, don't bring it to the field because people would come upset and we wanted to practice or have a game. And there was always something that people brought. You know, High school kids, there's always something going on. And so the old school way was leave it at home, draw the curtain. Oh, there's drama between you and another player, you're angry, handle it on your own. Like come here for the sport. So we close the curtain and behind the curtain, there's just this, like, if you see little shop of horrors, you know, like the plant is just, it's just growing and growing and growing. And you might peek in there and be like, ugh, and shut the curtain again. You know, don't bring that here. But eventually that thing is growing legs. It's going to open the curtain. It's coming for you. You know, you can put up a wall. It's going to bust down the wall. You have to address it when it's small. Mm. And the only way you're going to address it is being very real and not saying everybody show up being positive, you know, put on a happy face oh, you're unhappy? Well, let's not talk about that because we need to stay positive here. And when people say stay positive, and this was my old idea of stay positive, I'm a realist, was um, let's pretend everything's fine or let's just stuff it and keep going because this is how it is. There is a piece of being positive where we have to acknowledge. We have to acknowledge where we are. We have to be real. We have to have hard conversations. The positive part comes in the future. The belief, everything goes back to belief. I truly, I truly believe everything goes back to belief, right? If we believe that we have what it takes, that the mission matters, that we have a driving purpose, if we believe that this group, you know, is, is in all in on this, then the future is going to be amazing. So you have to have a vision or a future that is worthy of fighting for. And you have to believe that you truly can get there. So we can sit around and talk about, here's all the things that are not going well right now, but now we're going to talk about where we're going. And yeah. like I said, that, that positivity comes in the belief that you will conquer anything that's in your way and that anything that's in your way is worthy of whatever it's going to take to conquer it, to get there. We can't see the outcome if we, if we don't define it. Mm-hmm. And if we believe whatever's on the other side of this obstacle or this wall, even if we can't see it is amazing. You know, it's, it's Disney world. Like that's where we're going. It's not a garbage dump. Mm-hmm. then we're all we're all scaling that wall yeah and we're going to find a way to get there i love that um are you a fan of ted lasso yes i am <laughs> i i um i i didn't watch it for a long time and yeah. then um actually trent was like you have to watch it i can't yeah. believe you're not watching this and i was like all right all right i'm gonna watch it and then i was like darn it i really like it <laughs> yeah so who's, who's your favorite character oh gosh um I mean, I'm Ted. I love Ted. You know, I mean, like, you know, like, was it have a memory of a goldfish? You know, I mean, he's just, he's so great. And you know what? He is so authentically himself. He's quirky. He's goofy. And when he says things that people are like, huh, he's not wondering, you know, 
how do they think about what I just said? It's just, this is the way that I think. And you know what? So many times he's right in what he's telling them. And I love that. I love that yeah. so much. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I love that his energy his positivity his desire to bring out the best in there and then season two we see a real vulnerable side to him which is again just the power of of that we you know humans reminding us that human beings you know we take all of ourselves wherever we go yeah and i you know i i'm trying to remember where i heard this but you know you're we're we're not just humans we're a human being meaning we're we're being we're in the we're in the midst of living and growing and and we're going to have um, messy, messy lives. And if you took out the mess, you know, there's so much beauty that came on the other side of the mess and there's so much appreciation that comes through living it. And so, you know, we, we embrace that as human beings. And what I love so much about Ted Lasso in that he, he is so vulnerable in the second season. Um, and yet he still has that mindset and it's, you know, this is a wake up call that you don't have to have a perfect life to have that kind of mindset. And people look at, at you know, John Gordon and you, and you see his stuff going on and, and you think, wow, what a, what a great life. And you look at any of these celebrities and you think, oh, wow, what a great life. And what we don't, you know, what we forget is that everyone is, is struggling, you know, and, and some people are struggling a lot more than others yet look, you know, great on the surface. So that mindset isn't there because life is great. Yeah. That mindset is there because we need it to get through everything that's in front of us. And mm. when we use that mindset, we didn't do it in vain. You know, I didn't struggle in vain. Like I got a lesson out of this and I survived it. And I have something now that inimitable impact, right? Every one of us has, and I did a podcast with, with a lot of people on this inimitable impact. Everyone has a moment that impacted their life that yeah. they could have shut down and quit or defined it as something that was going to hold them back mm. or they could make the choice at a crossroads they could make the choice to say this is hard this is going to teach me something you know i can't change it i don't want this i would do anything if i could reverse it but i can't so what mm. can i do with it and whatever they learned from that lesson because they made the choice to get through it and to fight for it they now have an impact that they can make on everyone else, a lesson that they can pass along that no one else can teach. And if we go along our life and the only thing we did was learn the lesson, we wasted it. We wasted it. And I, some people may not like that. And they think, well, I learned something from that. Well, you wasted it. If you didn't pass it on to somebody else, then it was for nothing. You know, that's, that's the second half of it. That is the gift in, you know, is leaving the impact and, and passing that along to somebody else. And I believe mm. that's why we're charged to get through these struggles. Mm, I love that. You talked um, recently uh, about the inimitable impact. It's like a fingerprint you leave on people. I have a word for that here. I always bet yesterday it's called heart print. I yeah. believe that the heart print of our interactions with people can be better, can be worse, can be positive, yeah. can be negative. Kate, what's your heart print? Oh, you know, I just know that there are so many times in my life where I, I doubted um, my ability to get through something, my ability to um, go for something, you know, it was just doubt, so much doubt. And, and I, I remember, you know, just getting to this point where I would just close my eyes and go, okay, go, you know, just like if you're jumping off the high dive, 
and you're just like, I'm terrified, but at this point, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go and um, trying to learn tools and how to get through that. And all the way back to 2014, uh, I had a pulmonary embolism after my shoulder surgery. And it was one of the, you know, kind of ironically, one of the biggest fears I had was having this blood clot because I, my grandmother died before I was born from a blood clot. And so I had heard that story and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, that sounds scary. And it is, you know, um, very scary, bad odds when you get blood clots floating around your body. And, um, and I remember being so angry because the shoulder surgery that I got was, you know, this nagging shoulder all the time. And I wanted to get it fixed so that I could not have pain when I did all my favorite activities. I loved mountain biking. I coached in Colorado for a while and I was snowboarding and skiing and um, just always doing active stuff. And so the shoulder surgery was gonna make that all better. I was excited. And um, instead, what I ended up with was a blood clot, blood thinners, and they said, no more sports, no more coaching. Uh, I was just, everything that I wanted and loved was being pulled away. And, you know, and then I was having all these complications and I was constantly in the hospital and I was so angry that I didn't take the time to realize I'm out of the one in four, one in four with a a pulmonary embolism die instantly. Mm. And I never stopped and celebrated being one of the three that survived it. And I woke up one morning and realized I, I shouldn't even be here. I might not have even had this day. How could I have not stopped and celebrated just waking up and having the opportunity to live my life? Mm. It was a complete perspective change. And I'm looking around at so many people who are angry or who are struggling or who feel like they're having things taken away. And I thought if I can impact anyone, just one person, because it was life-changing for me. If I can give one person that gift of getting their life back because their perspective changes, then that's what I'm going to do. And then I realized that on the scale that I could do this um, through all of the avenues that have been opened up for me in order to keep living this is, is just so powerful. And I thought I got to keep going, you know, and, and I remember as a teen, I, I struggled so much with that self-doubt and with that perspective shift and always kind of thinking things were going to go wrong, which is, you know, you look for it, you find it. Right. Uh, and, and so I thought, wow, I, I can really impact teens now. Um, and I love that superpower and stick together. Really, you could be 10, you know, you can be 110. That's kind of what I've been saying here. And you're going to be able to read this book and you're going to be able to walk away and say, man, I, I've been Trent before, or I wish I had that teacher. Um, mm. How can I be that for somebody else? Mm, powerful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing that. And where can people connect with you? Where can they find out more about your great work? Yeah, uh, they can go to my website. So katelavelle.com is probably the easiest place or kate at katelavelle.com. You can shoot me an email. Um, You can find me over on Twitter. And um, you could, I always tell people you could find me on Instagram, but I hope you like pictures of dogs because for the most part, that's, (laughs) that's what ends up there is my adorable uh, one-eyed Bernie doodle. (laughs) That's a whole nother story. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so track me down. I love, you know, getting a chance to work with businesses, teams, individuals on, um, you know, either workshops or talks and just my goal is that in our time together, whatever it is that at the end of it, there's at least one tiny perspective shift that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and go, something's different. Something is powerfully different, even if it's something small. Uh, and that's, that's what I live by. And that's why I keep doing this work. I love that. The, the, the thing about heart print is that it creates possibility. 
infinite yes. possibility in some way as a result of your heart print something is now possible for someone else to do something different which is infinite the ripple effect of that blows my mind i hope that you continue to get the wave back of your ripple effect just to continue to energize you keep you uh in that belief in in in, in what you do and is what you being needed and uh, just be grateful and appreciative if you'd leave us with a final thought from your good self oh absolutely um man i think really the most important thing is that from here on out anything that you walk into, if you have that moment of, I'm not enough, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can accomplish this. I don't know if I look like the people who've done this before me. The second you start thinking that to step back, to make a list of everything about you that nobody else has, realize how different you are, and then understand that you are the rare coin, you are the upside down stamp, you are actually priceless. You belong in the inimitable museum of history, which you will learn about when you read the book. And to go forward and know that you are not a giraffe. <laughs> you are powerful as your authentic self. And if you walk in with anything else, you are robbing yourself and you're robbing the people around you of everything that you can be and that you really truly are. Hmm. Kate, thank you so much for your time. Really grateful to have you on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for putting this podcast out and leaving your heart print. I think that's amazing. Much love. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organization, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.